Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody-Mills. I'm Torre, and I think we are in the midst of national change, and I'm scared, Danielle. The president's talking this week about making it harder to get a green card, mm-hmm. harder to get a visa, yep. which gives away the game that the immigration conversation was never about law and order and breaking laws. It was about protecting the whiteness of the country, mm-hmm. of keeping fewer people from other places coming here. And I continue to think about the fear that I saw in so many Trump supporters about this becoming a majority minority country in the relatively near future. And so this is a battle to keep the country white. And what I'm saying, this is a bigger battle than just Trump. This is about Trumpism, this notion that white people need to protect what they have in terms of their status and their control over the country. This mood predates Trump. It's a wave that he rode in on. It has been here for centuries, no doubt, but bigger now. And it's changing the country. We are becoming more divided, more angry, more anti-fact, more racist. It is extraordinarily scary for black and brown people. Yes. And we need to think about this as a bigger problem than one unique individual who has used the country's poison, the country's biggest wound against it. It's bigger than him. It is absolutely bigger than Trump. And I think that when we focus on him, we miss exactly what it is that you're outlining. We focus on the man and think that once we get rid of him, then Then you cut off the head of the snake and then the rest of the snake dies. No, what we don't understand is that he has these seeds have been planted in this country for quite some time. Trump is a farmer of racism. He has now he is now you know, harvesting everything that has been planted, that has been nurtured through racist policies, through systemic oppression, and he has nurtured it. And so now here is the harvest. And the question is, which candidate is going to actually be able to clear the field, turn the soil and get us back to a place that has us rich Right. In our diversity and not and not starving. Right. I, I, lo- I love how deep you went on the farmer. I had to metaphor. go all the way there. You did. I had to finish it. Very writerly. <laughs> but I look at him as like big food giving us like, you know, a frozen. Pink slime. Right. Right. A, pink big, slime. right a, big, a, a frozen dinner yep. of racism that's filled with. <laughs> preservatives and chemicals there's no purity that we would get from a farmer but no what i'm really saying is that 
there's so much thought in this discussion, in this conversation around the election, around how do we get rid of Trump? And I, too, want to get rid of Trump. Absolutely. But I think and what you're saying with your farmer analogy is that it's deeper. We are deal- mm-hmm. We must deal with the root of this. And we are moving toward that and becoming more diverse and allowing more black and brown and gay and trans people to come into power, to come into the mm-hmm. table, to come into the spotlight, to live your real life in truth. And there are uh, millions of white people who are fighting actively against that. And I think that the way that Trump makes Bush look like a punk, mm. the way Trumpism makes the Tea Party look tepid, in the future, we could have somebody and a movement that like, that makes Trump look like a punk. And if we don't plan against that, choose a candidate against that who can try to put the country back together then we will have a much bigger problem in the future. And this in lies the problem with Joe Biden Mm, that I have. mm, The nostalgia candidate who wants to bring us back to a time before Trump misses the deep analysis necessary to understand that all of this racism, all of this energy has been on the surface because we have never, ever dealt with it. Mm -hmm. And so you cannot bring us back to a place that was unequal before and tell me that those are the good old days. There are no good old days. That's the problem with a nostalgic candidate Mm -hmm. is that it was only good for white people. Right. 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 And so if that's who he's talking to, then okay, I guess. But the rest of us, black, brown, queer women, lame the list on, don't remember a time that was good. So you have to be offering people something about the future, future policy changes, recognizing that. Things like, I don't know, the crime bill that you authored wasn't necessarily the best thing now with a 2019 lens on it. He didn't just vote for it. He wrote it. He wrote it. He owns it completely. Not anymore. He doesn't. You, you're you funny because he you runs make... from it like Usain Bolt. <laughs> Faster even. You remind <laughs> me of like all the time machine movies when I'm like. What time would I like to go back to? None. None. There is no previous <laughs> moment no that I would like to. I mean, like maybe to meet Malcolm X or Bob Marley, but to live okay. in those moments. True like, story. Like maybe to, to meet certain people. Right, to be part of it with the Black Panthers. Maybe, but like, do I want to go back to the 60s or the 50s or the 40s? Hell no. No. no I praise the ancestors who got us to this position mm-hmm. that we could go to a good school, that we could possibly have a job that helps our lives be not full of pain. But when we talk about electability, which Mm -hmm. is the prime notion behind the support of Joe Biden, that is essentially a capitulation to white people. It is not saying, what do black and brown people need? It's outward looking. What will they vote for? And I'm going to support that. And this is the largest reason why Joe Biden is dominating among black voters. There was a Quinnipiac poll last week. Black voters, who do you support? Biden, 47%. Dear God. Bernie Sanders, 16%. 31 points behind. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, 8%. Kamala Harris, 1%. Mm -mm. Cory Booker, 1%. And I'm not saying all black people should be lining up behind Kamala, but we should be considering these candidates in a more thoughtful way than to throw our support behind crime bill joe i kind of 
think that we're taking the cookout too far with Joe Biden. Like, I kind of think that the black best friend card mm. and like, oh, he's invited to the cookout type feel. Like, we've gone too far. 47% right. of people are not paying attention. What is like the that? 47% black folks, you are not paying attention. Because here's the thing. It, it takes more than being Barack Obama's best friend. Mm hmm to make you the president of the United States. Yeah. First of all, he's going to be, what, 78? He'll be 80. He'll, He'll be 80. Yeah, 80. When he's, when, if and when he's elected, right? So age is actually a factor here. I know that Ali Atoldev said it was nothing but a number, <laughs> but I'm telling you, in this day and age, it actually is a factor. It because matters. The stamina matters. Okay, so that's number one. Now, let's revisit the crime bill. Come on. Right. Which hurt black and brown communities, which introduced us to mandatory minimums, which created longer sentencing, more federal like, prisons, more federal prisons. You know, as I was reading about it, just like delving in into it and understanding that the federal government was giving states incentives and more money to build more prisons. Mm. Right. So. Through this legislation. Now, what they want to do now, both Biden and Bernie, is that they want to part and parcel out and say, well, it was a great crime bill because it gave us the Violence Against Women Act. It gave us um, a ban on assault rifles for 10 years. Mm -hmm. It gave us these like little droppings. But in the midst of it, it was a poison pill yeah. for the black community. And I don't think that the opposition, his opposition, Biden's opposition, is doing a good enough job to explain to black folks why this was bad. That's true. That's true. I mean, look, if you got a problem with Hillary Clinton saying the word super predators. Calm. You, you got a problem with Kamala Harris putting some black people in prison for smoking weed. Right. You got to you got to you got to do the number on Joe Biden for writing the crime bill. This was a huge driver of mass incarceration. This is who he was. This is Is how, this the judgment that you are comfortable with in your president? And again, he's been given multiple times during debates, during conversations to have some reflection on the crime bill to say, if I had it to do over again, right, if we were going to write the 2021 crime bill, that this is what this would look like. We created a war on black folks through that crime bill. It was the crack epidemic. Oh, look, we have the heroin and opioid crisis now, but somehow those people aren't being locked up right. because they live in suburb, they're white suburban, you or know, rural, moms rural. or rural suburb or rural people who, you know, oh, I had a backache and now, you know, I'm addicted to opioids. Oh, but they're not, they're not bad people. Crack epidemic was what started the idea around the crime bill and somehow black folks still clapping and applauding to Biden. And I don't get it. You remind me of that moment in the new Jim Crow, which is one of my favorite books of all time when they arrest uh, uh, an Indiana man who's, who's, who's got uh, drugs and he's got a rifle. And the other prosecutor says, well, it's not like he's a gun toting drug dealer. And like, no, he is literally, literally. a gun toting drug dealer, but He's got the complexion for the protection, oh, ooh, as Paul Moody would he say. talk about it. But, you know, what is the policy that Joe is pushing now that would earn 47% of black people supporting him? There's no there there. His big idea is more funding for low-income schools, which would help black and brown people, mm -hmm. okay? But that's not going to rush 
47 percent of the, the poor bowl. kids that he he associates with also being black mm. because wealth is about whiteness come mm. on that's not a gaffe mm. that is actually like a a a prescription for policy and education reform Look, with the colors through which you're looking at that situation those through. of us who've been watching politics and joe for a while will remember the gaff prone joe that we have seen for years and years Remember when he said that Obama was clean, clean and, and articulate? articulate? I mean, like, I'm not saying Joe Biden is racist. I'm not, I'm far from that. Yes. But he's very problematic and does not deserve to be dominating with he, black audiences. He really doesn't. He really doesn't. And when you say, what are the policies that he's offering? Because we can kind of list out what the other candidates have been offering. Elizabeth Warren's been talking about HBCUs. Right. We've had uh, Kamala Harris's talk and, and Elizabeth Warren also talking about black women's maternity mortality rate. Look, Marianne right? Williamson's got a reparations plan. I, I mean, so everybody <laughs> is offering something and Joe Biden is offering us the past. I stood with Barack Obama for eight years. That's good, no better than Bernie you. Sanders saying that I his marched. recent thing with black folks is that I marched with Martin. I marched with Martin. Yes. Come on. I want some black people to wake up and reconsider your support of Biden. And it has to be about more than familiarity yes. and electability. And I think I would think. That after Hillary's loss, mm -hmm. we would see that electability is not enough. The general election in this country is a very long slog. Mm -hmm. The person you think is electable may or may not be electable when you get into the general race. That's like saying, uh, you know, in the first quarter, you're going to win the game. Like, we have no idea. I mean, Trump is unfit to serve, but somehow he's still there. Mm. I think that this idea around Trumpism, right? What we opened up with and talking about Trumpism and holding white folks accountable to their to this ideology, mm. this white supremacist fascist ideology doesn't matter if people are coming to this country legally. We don't want you. We're going to deny you food stamps. We're going to deny you this, that and the other thing. We're going to make it so uncomfortable. Black, brown person, if you are coming to this country, if you are living already in this country and are a United States citizen, we're making it uncomfortable for you to exist because that is how terrified we are of losing our white supremacy, about losing our privilege and power. Let me remind you that Joe Biden voted for the Iraq war and he also uh, voted to let states overturn Roe v. Wade. But. I wonder, he also did a flip-flop on the Hyde Amendment. I wonder if the success for Biden and, to a lesser extent, for Sanders reflects a fear that a black and or female candidate cannot win. Yes. And a sense of, like, this one's really important. We got to get this one right. We got to win this one. Right. We can, it's, it's too important to risk putting up a black or female candidate. Yeah, because somehow we're not fit to lead. And you know, or but, no, no, with, with a woman lost before, so that should then affect other women or suggest this is the country's feeling about women. When all the white men we had lost, we didn't say no more white men. God, I wish that that would be the case. <laughs> 
Um, but it never is. And I think that also, but Joe Biden is playing into that. Remember, he announced his campaign with the I'm the adult in the room. Mm. Right. That that is literally that's how he spoke about himself. That's how he continues to speak about himself. Look, I have said that if Joe Biden is the nominee, I'm voting blue no matter who. But yeah. what I'm saying is that if we are talking about Trumpism, if we are talking about the poison that has been unleashed now over three years, possibly, you know, going all the way to four, and we're considering eight years, America will be unrecognizable. It's unrecognizable now. Yes, it is. And so if you're talking to me about Joe Biden being able to battle that, his whiteness alone is not going to do it. It is not enough. Just going to talk to white working folks in Pittsburgh Right. Which is in, in, in Pennsylvania is not going to be enough. I reject the notion that a black woman can't win. I reject the notion that a white woman can't win. Mm-hmm. I reject the notion that nominating a white man is inherently safer than a nominating woman. This is a country where we typically, and we've talked about this before, we typically go opposite the previous person. Right. 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 Uh, you know, Bush seemed to be the opposite of Clinton. Uh, uh, Obama, definitely the opposite of Bush. Trump, obviously the opposite of Obama in so many ways. The next person will be the opposite of Trump. It will not be a Democratic continuation of Trump. It cannot be. And I think that we also we just really have to think about the damage that has been done. And when I say that this country needs a healing and needs a healer, Mm. when we're talking about moving, moving through, because we cannot move past Trump and Trumpism, we're going to have to move through, which means that we have to really face ourselves and what has contributed to the rise of Trump, to the hold that he has had over this country and over white people. And and we're going to need somebody who can speak emotionally, eloquently, powerfully. And we were texting during Joe's speech last week, yes. which some in media thought his, we'll call it, call it his race speech, right? Because yeah. he was trying to speak back to Trump's racism. I could see some white folks in media being like, wow, this is great. I was unimpressed. Mm-hmm. I was like, Same. Kamala would do this speech better. Uh, Cory Booker did do the speech better. I bet Elizabeth Warren could do that speech better. So I don't know if Bernie could, but that's another conversation. Right. But there are people who would be better at unifying the country than. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change. 
a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Biden. And I, he's just not, he is not in policy, in rhetoric, in history. He has not earned our support to where he's dominating our support. And I don't, pre- I'm like, guys, knock it off. Yeah, I don't, I don't appreciate it. I don't get it. And I think that what is dangerous here is that we are going to sacrifice our progress as a community mm. by placing Joe Biden in the presidency because he has done nothing for black people. So we will sacrifice our progress, our growth, our economic stability, all because we think that Joe Biden is safe. We think that on a debate stage that he's going to match up. And I'm telling you, if the if the past couple of debates that we have watched are any indication, I think that Trump would slap him up and down a stage, which also will show Right. The stark contrast between the anger and the power that Trump has and Joe Biden fumbling for his words or what? Ending his thoughts before they even come all the way out of his mouth. I didn't hear a great debater. I didn't see somebody who seemed sharp and quick and on point and in charge of the room. And so much of the discussion seems to be about who will be able to go into the debate and punch Trump rhetorically in the face. I don't think that's what the Democratic nomination should be about at all. But so many people seem to be thinking about that and they want to knock off the women because they're not going to be tough enough in the debate. We saw Hillary destroyed Trump in all the debates. Yeah. And it didn't make a huge difference in the polling. Right. Debates are not dispositive and they never have been. But this notion of like, we just need somebody to be mean to him. I don't want a nominee who will out Trump Trump. And I don't think Joe is able to do that anyway. I just don't think that he has the ability to rise to the occasion. I don't think that this is his moment. And I think that we risk so much, so much by him being by him, even thinking about him as the presumptive nominee. I think that we risk so much and we are not recognizing how serious of a moment that we're in right now. Everyone has been recycling and sharing over and over again this tweet, a quote by Anne. Anne Frank, right? Mm. The Anne Frank quote reads like this. Terrible things are happening outside. Poor, helpless people are being dragged out of their homes. Families are torn apart. Men, women, and children are being separated. Children come home from school to find that their parents have disappeared. This is Anne Frank, January 13th, 1943. She could have been writing about Right now, ice. This right is now. the this is the moment that we are living in. You're telling me Joe Biden is the person that is that is coming in to stop this? No, to stop the spread of fascism, to stop this happening, the breakdown of our democracy by by making it making me remember his cute, funny like BuzzFeed photos and countdown mm. with Barack Obama. It's not enough. I don't think that Joe is necessarily going to be a great president. 
I don't think that he necessarily will beat Trump. I think that I think that pretty much most of the people who we are talking about on the Democratic side, if you put a D beside their name, I I think that they will beat Trump. Mm -hmm. But I'm not certain. I'm not certain. And I don't I don't. And I know what the polling says, but I don't put Joe at some greater ability to beat Trump than anyone else. And I don't think that he would necessarily be a great president. I think that Bernie Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris would be great and transformative presidents. Yes. I don't think that Joe would be that. And I don't see anything in his history that suggests that he would be that. There's nothing in his present policies that he's putting out that addresses that. There is nothing that he has offered in terms of immigration, in terms of stricter gun laws, in terms of health care, student debt. There is nothing that either one of us who is following this so closely can point to and say, ah, that's Biden's big idea. Like you said, that would be exciting. That's Biden's big idea. What's Biden's big we idea? Should, we should get behind that. Right. Uh, you know, the, the success of Biden, if it plays out as it starts to seem to, would be a huge disappointment to me, partly because I see the Democratic Party do this every time we have an open election that we start by flirting with the idea of progressives Mm -hmm. and then we go home to a moderate, Mm -hmm. right? And in doing that, we're selling out who we really are. And the parties have moved further apart than they ever have been in history. We are becoming a more progressive party. Mm -hmm. We have seen the rise of an exciting, really truly lefty wing of the party. That wing is not on stage, but it is represented to a certain extent in Elizabeth Warren, in Bernie Sanders. And if we get a chance to choose somebody who is truly progressive and we go with somebody who is a moderate and a really, you know, Joe's argument really boils down to experience, selectability, you know, like I'm effective. Comfort. It's comfort. It's, but it's, it's like comfort. Hillary in that it's like, I'm effective and you know that I'm effective. And I can deal with whatever comes up. And that's not enough for me. It isn't enough and it shouldn't be enough. And the thing is with moderates and, you know, this is this is important. Nothing that Trump has done has been in moderation. Mm -hmm. He has accelerated violence. He has accelerated racism. He is in himself an accelerant. Right. I have said this many times. You can't piss gasoline and then wonder why there is a fire. And that is what Trump has done. So Joe Biden, to me, is not the fire extinguisher. No, he isn't. And so I I don't know what he's like a damp towel. Right. Which means that things are still smoldering. We cannot afford for what Trump has done to this country to there even be a hint. The message in 2020 needs to be a white supremacy, white nationalism ain't welcome in America. You are done. And I do not believe that the candidate that can do that is Joe Biden. And I see this really bizarre strain from some people just shifting the conversation just a little bit saying, well, Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. 
You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. You know, yeah, these people shot up a school or a Walmart or what have you, but Trump didn't tell them to do that. Well, no, he did not give them specific instructions to go and kill these people on this day at that Walmart. But this shooter in El Paso drove 14 hours. He wanted Mm -hmm. to be there specifically. Mm -hmm. He was told that there's an invasion going mm-hmm. on. He was told that whiteness is under attack mm-hmm. and these are the people who are doing it. He was, was told that violence against these sort of people is, is acceptable. It's acceptable. Wink, wink. That's what we used to do and our ancestors had it right. Our grandfathers had it right. Back in the day, people like that would have been taken out here on a stretcher, right? Mm-hmm. So he's been given all the pieces and that only one out of a million people will actually have the foolhardiness to actually take him up on his challenge and go shoot up a bunch of brown people, that doesn't mean this Trump is absolved. Trump basically told him to go do that. And we see also further justification from the top in that this was the worst mass shooting, the worst hate crime to happen to Latinx Americans in our history. And not once did the president acknowledge this is something that happened to this specific group of Americans. And that suggests to me he does not care about them. And he's telling you he doesn't care about them. And if you don't realize that he has created a climate to where it's like it is open season on them because they are invading Mm -hmm. our country. They are invading they are an infestation. infestation. They are animals, right? They're that belong in cages. Rapists. And murderers. So what he has done since 2015 is try and strip the Latinx community of their humanity. Mm-hmm. So when a person, when a white supremacist hears their leader telling you in no uncertain terms, right? You got to rough these people up. That's what he told the Suffolk County police officers as they left, right? You got to rough them up. Let their head right? hit the truck. Like, mm. Right. So the language really? that Trump has been using over the past several years now has been a roadmap, right? A roadmap to that shooter's particular manifesto. Right to the New Zealand shooters He's manifesto specifically references to Trump and his the manifesto. Pittsburgh shooters manifesto. Come on, right? So we can't detach ourselves from the rhetoric and say again that you can do all of these things. You can essentially clean the gun, mm. 
put the bullets inside, cock it, place it in somebody's hand. But tell then them say, who to shoot. Tell them who to shoot. But then they do it and say, oh, oh, well, I didn't but, but, pull the trigger. But, but, but I didn't tell them to do that. <laughs> I didn't pull the trigger. It's like, come on, folks. Come on. They, and, they are literally, they are leaving behind manifestos that are not a wink and a nod to the president. They are a shout out yeah. to the president. They are a shout out to the president, to his ideology, to his rally followers. Because those, let me understand too, these rallies that he's doing, mm. they're not election rallies. They are clan rallies. Hell, because hell when yeah. you are organizing hell folks yeah. to chant, send her back, lock her up. And do these things. That is what we can remember in history. Those are the same people that got dressed up on Sunday to go hang a black man right after church. And this right? Is, That's who those people are. And this is the all happening the same week that Cesar Sayoc is going into court and talking about Trump's impact on his desire to send pipe bombs to several yep. black and white Working Democratic stars. Yeah. <sighs> We have to be very real about who is going to be able, what candidate, which candidate is going to be able to face that down. This is not about a knockout punch of Trump on a debate stage. Right. This is about extinguishing white supremacist ideology. This is about extinguishing an entire system of racism, bigotry that has been allowed to move from the margins into center stage because of Trump. This is what this election is about. And any conversation other than that one is bullshit. Right. And Joe is not prepared to lead that conversation. We will be left out of the conversation if the general election is Joe versus Trump. Because Joe will not see some need to give to us, to no. think about us. No. The candidate that is going to center the most targeted communities under this administration, right? Because the reality is, is that if we were to actually create policies that were to lift up the most marginalized and underserved people, that is the upward trickle effect. Mm. You target those people, everybody else right, reaps the benefits of that. You don't look for the trickle down because we've been looking for that for uh, 30 plus years and ain't nobody felt a drop I don't from drop. that trickle down. You know, I feel partly catharsis from having gotten <laughs> this out, but partly my blood pressure <laughs> is going up. I'm glad I live in New York City where it's kind of okay to smoke a joint because <laughs> I need one kind now. <laughs> I need one now. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody-Mills. And if we are allowed to be in this country, we will have another episode next week. Right. Hope to hear from you. <laughs> Hope to see you. Maybe. We'll have visitors. Oh, my God. In prison. <laughs>